chapter nine of k this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox k by mary roberts reinhardt chapter nine sydney never forgot her early impressions of the hospital although they were chaotic enough at first there were uniformed young women coming and going efficient cool-eyed low of voice there were medicine closets with orderly rows of labelled bottles linen rooms with great stacks of sheets and towels long vistas of shining floors and lines of beds there were brisk interns with duck clothes and brass buttons who eyed her with friendly patronizing glances there were bandages and dressings and great white screens behind which were played little or big dramas baths or deaths as the case might be and over all brooded the mysterious authority of the superintendent of the training school dubbed the head for short twelve hours a day from seven to seven with the off-duty intermission sydney labored at tasks which revolted her soul she swept and dusted the wards cleaned closets folded sheets and towels rolled bandages did everything but nurse the sick which was what she had come to do at night she did not go home she sat on the edge of her narrow white bed and soaked her aching feet in hot water and witch hazel and practised taking pulses on her own slender wrist with kay's little watch out of all the long hot days two periods stood out clearly to be waited for and cherished one was when early in the afternoon with the ward in spotless order the shades drawn against the august sun the tables covered with their red covers and the only sound the drone of the bandage machine as sydney steadily turned it dr max passed the door on his way to the surgical ward beyond and gave her a cheery greeting at these times sydney's heart beat almost in time with the ticking of the little watch the other hour was at twilight when work over for the day the night nurse with her rubber-soled shoes and tired eyes and jangling keys having reported and received the night orders the nurses gathered in their small parlor for prayers it was months before sydney got over the exaltation of that twilight hour and never did it cease to bring her healing and peace in a way it crystallized for her what the day's work meant charity and its sister service the promise of rest and peace into the little parlor filled the nurses and knelt folding their tired hands the lord is my shepherd read the head out of her worn bible i shall not want and the nurses he maketh me to lie down in green pastures he leadeth me beside the still waters and so on through the psalm to the assurance at the end and i will dwell in the house of the lord for ever now and then there was a death behind one of the white screens it caused little change in the routine of the ward a nurse stayed behind the screen and her work was done by the others when everything was over the time was recorded exactly on the record and the body was taken away at first it seemed to sydney that she could not stand this nearness to death she thought the nurses hard because they took it quietly then she found that it was only stoicism resignation that they had learned these things must be and the work must go on their philosophy made them no less tender 
some such patient detachment must be that of the angels who keep the great record on her first sunday half-holiday she was free in the morning and went to church with her mother going back to the hospital after the service so it was two weeks before she saw umoini again even then it was only for a short time christine and palmer howe came in to see her and to inspect the balcony now finished but sydney and lumoigny had a few words together first there was a change in sydney lumoigny was quick to see it she was a trifle subdued with a puzzled look in her blue eyes her mouth was tender as always but he thought it drooped there was a new atmosphere of wistfulness about the girl that made his heart ache they were alone in the little parlor with its brown lamp and blue silk shade and its small nude eve which anna kept because it had been a gift from her husband but retired behind a photograph of the minister so that only the head and a bare arm holding the apple appeared above the reverend gentleman k never smoked in the parlor but by sheer force of habit he held the pipe in his teeth and how have things been going asked sydney practically your steward has little to report aunt harriet who left you her love has had the complete order for the lorenz trousseau she and i have picked out a stunning design for the wedding dress i thought i'd ask you about the veil we're rather in a quandary do you like this new fashion of draping the veil from behind the coiffure in the back sydney had been sitting on the edge of her chair staring there she said i knew it this house is fatal they're making an old woman of you already her tone was tragic miss lorenz likes the new method but my personal preference is for the old way with the bride's face covered he sucked calmly at his dead pipe katie has a new prescription recipe for bread it has more bread and fewer air holes one cake of yeast sydney sprang to her feet it's perfectly terrible she cried because you rent a room in this house is no reason why you should give up your personality and your intelligence not but that it's good for you but katie has made bread without masculine assistance for a good many years and if christine can't decide about her own veil she'd better not get married mother says you water the flowers every evening and lock up the house before you go to bed i-i never meant you to adopt the family k removed his pipe and gazed earnestly into the bowl bill taft has had kittens under the porch he said and the groceryman has been sending short weight we've bought scales now and weigh everything you are evading the question dear child i am doing these things because i like to do them for for some time i've been floating and now i've got a home every time i lock up the windows at night or cut a picture out of a magazine as a suggestion to your aunt harriet it's an anchor to windward sydney gazed helplessly at his imperturbable face he seemed older than she had recalled him the hair over his ears was almost white and yet he was just thirty that was palmer howe's age and palmer seemed like a boy but he held himself more erect than he had in the first days of his occupancy of the second-floor front and now he said cheerfully what about yourself you've lost a lot of illusions of course but perhaps you've gained ideals that's a step life observed sydney with the wisdom of two weeks out in the world life is a terrible thing k 
we think we've got it and it's got us undoubtedly when i think of how simple i used to think it all was one grew up and got married and and perhaps had children and when one got very old one died lately i've been seeing that life really consists of exceptions children who don't grow up and grown-ups who die before they are old and this took an effort but she looked at him squarely and people who have children but are not married it all rather hurts all knowledge that is worth while hurts in the getting sydney got up and wandered around the room touching its little familiar objects with tender hands Kay watched her there was this curious element in his love for her that when he was with her it took on the guise of friendship and deceived even himself it was only in the lonely hours that it took on truth became a hopeless yearning for the touch of her hand or a glance from her clear eyes sydney having picked up the minister's picture replaced it absently so that eve stood revealed in all her pre-apple innocence there is something else she said absently i cannot talk it over with mother there is a girl in the ward a patient yes she is quite pretty she has had typhoid but she is a little better she's not a good person i see at first i couldn't bear to go near her i shivered when i had to straighten her bed i-i'm being very frank but i've got to talk this out with someone i worried a lot about it because although at first i hated her now i don't i rather like her she looked at Kay defiantly but there was no disapproval in his eyes yes well this is the question she's getting better she'll be able to go out soon don't you think something ought to be done to keep her from going back there was a shadow in Kay's eyes now she was so young to face all this and yet since face it she must how much better to have her do it squarely does she want to change her mode of life i don't know of course there are some things one doesn't discuss she cares a great deal for some man the other day i propped her up in bed and gave her a newspaper and after a while i found the paper on the floor and she was crying the other patients avoid her and it was some time before i noticed it the next day she told me that the man was going to marry someone else he wouldn't marry me of course she said but he might have told me Moigny did his best that afternoon in the little parlor to provide sydney with a philosophy to carry her through her training he told her that certain responsibilities were hers but that she could not reform the world broad charity tenderness and healing were her province help them all you can he finished feeling inadequate and hopelessly didactic cure them send them out with a smile and leave the rest to the almighty sydney was resigned but not content newly facing the evil of the world she was a rampant reformer at once only the arrival of christine and her fiance saved his philosophy from complete rout he had time for a question between the ring of the bell and katie's deliberate progress from the kitchen to the front door how about the surgeon young wilson do you ever see him his tone was carefully casual almost every day he stops at the door of the ward and speaks to me it makes me quite distinguished for a probationer usually you know the staff never even see the probationers and the glamour persists he smiled down at her i think he is very wonderful said sydney valiantly christine lorenz while not large seemed to fill the room 
her voice which was frequent and penetrating her smile which was wide and showed very white teeth that were a trifle large for her beauty her all-embracing good nature dominated the entire lower floor k who had met her before retired into silence and a corner young howe smoked a cigarette in the hall you poor thing said christine and put her cheek against sydney's why you're positively thin palmer gives you a month to tire of it all but i said i take that back palmer spoke indolently from the corridor there is the look of willing martyrdom in her face where is reginald i brought some nuts for him reginald is back in the woods again now look here he said solemnly when we arranged about these rooms there were certain properties that went with them the lady next door who plays paderewski's minuet six hours a day and k here and reginald if you must take something to the woods why not the minuet person howe was a good-looking man thin smooth-shaven aggressively well-dressed this sunday afternoon in a cutaway coat and high hat with an english malacca stick he was just a little out of the picture the street said that he was wild and that to get into the country club set christine was losing more than she was gaining christine had stepped out on the balcony and was speaking to kay just inside it's rather a queer way to live of course she said but palmer is a pauper practically we are going to take our meals at home for a while you see certain things that we want we can't have if we take a house a car for instance we'll need one for running out to the country club to dinner of course unless father gives me one for a wedding present it will be a cheap one and we're getting the rosenfeld boy to drive it he's crazy about machinery and he'll come for practically nothing k had never known a married couple to take two rooms and go to the bride's mother's for meals in order to keep a car he looked faintly dazed also certain sophistries of his former world about a cheap chauffeur being costly in the end rose in his mind and were carefully suppressed you'll find a car great comfort i'm sure he said politely christine considered k rather distinguished she liked his graying hair and steady eyes and insisted on considering his shabbiness a pose she was conscious that she made a pretty picture in the french window and preened herself like a bright bird you'll come out with us now and then i hope thank you isn't it odd to think that we are going to be practically one family odd but very pleasant he caught the flash of christine's smile and smiled back christine was glad she had decided to take the rooms glad that kay lived there this thing of marriage being the end of all things was absurd a married woman should have men friends they kept her up she would take him to the country club the women would be mad to know him how clean-cut his profile was across the street the rosenfeld boy had stopped by dr wilson's car and was eyeing it with the cool appraising glance of the street boy whose sole knowledge of machinery has been acquired from the clothes-washer at home joe drummond eyes carefully ahead went up the street tilly at mrs mcgee's stood in the doorway and fanned herself with her apron max wilson came out of the house and got into his car for a minute perhaps all the actors save carlotta and dr ed were on the stage it was that bete noir of the playwright an ensemble k Irmoyne, and sydney palmer howe christine tilly the younger wilson joe even young rosenfeld 
all within speaking distance almost touching distance gathered within and about the little house on a side street which kay at first grimly and now tenderly called home End of chapter nine